So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Heavenly Father, we pray that that would be true of this word this morning. Accomplish your purpose in us, that we may leave this place with great joy. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder what was the best invitation you received this year. Maybe to a grand wedding. Had at least two of those, I think, at St. Stephen's this year. Maybe to a great party, something that you were thrilled to be there. Maybe the crown affair for some of you. Perhaps it was uh, to, what was that thing that um, Jeff said, a a rock musical. Perhaps somebody shouted you to a rock musical or some kind of concert and you were thrilled that they asked you. Or maybe you're someone who feels you haven't really been invited to much this year. You've seen others at church, you've seen friends on Facebook perhaps, having great social lives, and you felt rather left out. Well, the wonderful news is this morning that the Lord invites each one of us to the best invitation, not just of this year, but of our lives. It's better than anything you've ever been invited to before or will be invited to again. And if you're someone who feels left out, you too are invited. Well, the first thing we're going to see is this, the Lord's invitation, verses 1 to 5, come to a rich banquet. Come to a rich banquet. Look at verse 1. And four times the Lord says, through the prophet Isaiah, Come. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. When we're thirsty, water satisfies us like nothing else does it. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Maybe it's just me. But I think in all of us, there's something that loves a bargain, isn't there? Well, this is not only a bargain, it's wonderfully free. But I wonder if the cynic then kicks in. Hang on, if it's free, is it any good? After all, I've got plenty of wine and milk and water. I drink my fill of those things every day. Hopefully not the wine, but you know what I mean. Do I need this banquet? Well, in the context, Isaiah's hearers are in exile. Water, milk, wine, they're not basic foodstuffs. They're the thing of luxury. And we see how much this is the Lord's tremendous blessing. Look at the end of verse 2. Your soul will delight in the richest of fare. I think we're right, aren't we? To be wary when something seems too good to be true. And we see one of those emails that promises us a million dollars from Africa. If you've been scammed by that, be wary. But this is free to us. And yet it comes at tremendous cost to God the giver. Chapter 55 and chapter 54 before it flow out of chapter 53, a famous chapter of the suffering servant. And we know that is the Lord Jesus. And we're told how he was pierced for our transgressions, how he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us, peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. It's free to us. But as we'll remember in the Lord's Supper in a minute, it came at tremendous cost to the Lord Jesus. Well, why is this banquet so good? Because it brings true satisfaction to our souls. Unlike the things we normally spend our money chasing, this banquet satisfies us deep down. Look at the rhetorical question of verse 2. Why, when I'm offering you this wonderful banquet, why, verse 2, spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy. 
Charlie and I, in a very small way, in 2011, were part of the relief efforts for the big tsunami in Japan. And it was heart-wrenching to go to the coast and see these people whose homes and all their possessions had been destroyed by that huge wave. Some of them also, of course, losing family. And they'd get a small grant from the government. And yet, sadly, some of those would take that grant and instead of feeding their kids or clothing their kids, would go straight to the horses and spend it all. We think, why? How foolish. And yet the Lord would say the same to us. Why do you labor for what does not satisfy? Why do we dream of that new extension or or building that new deck? And then it comes and it's just another deck. We work hard, don't we, for promotion, to get new responsibilities at work. And they come and they leave us exhausted. Maybe some are working furiously at a summer job desperately saving up for a concert ticket or new clothes or some gadget. And when it comes, it will just be another thing. There won't be any lasting satisfaction. Isn't it extraordinary? Massive increases in standard of living in the West. Unprecedented peace and prosperity. And yet the word that rings true across cultures, across the world, is empty. Empty. Well, to those who thirst for something more, who want deep satisfaction, the Lord says, verse 2, listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the riches of fare. Give ear, come to me, hear me, that your soul may live. And I take it if you're a Christian, you know something of that joy, don't you? As the Lord Jesus, uh, as we accepted the Lord Jesus and that God-shaped hole in our hearts was filled, not with pleasure or satisfaction in the world, but with the Lord Jesus himself. I remember my own experience of that. Remember six or seven months before I became a Christian, lying on my sofa in Cyprus. I was 19. I was on a party island. I was at a good university, good job prospects ahead of me. It should have been the dream. And I remember waking up hungover and thinking, is this it? Is this all there really is? And then a few months later, I heard this invitation, come, come to me. And I came, and what joy entered my heart as the Lord Jesus gave me a new vision, a new purpose. Let me eat from his banquet. Well, we enjoy this banquet in part now. We taste the starter, don't we? But the greatest fullness of it is in heaven, that one day we will sit down and dine with the Lord himself. If you're a Christian and you've forgotten how wonderful this is, can I encourage you to get some time this holiday season and remember Remember what you've been invited to and rejoice. Well, then in verse 3, he changes the image. No longer a banquet, but a glorious global kingdom. I think it helps us see just what this banquet achieves. Look again at verse 3. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. And the idea of a covenant or a promise to David doesn't mean so much to us. But King David, of course, is the great hero of the Old Testament. And uh, God promised that on his throne would reign one of his children or his descendants and that they would rule the world. And as that descendant of David submitted to God, so great blessing would flow to his subjects, first to Israel and then to the whole world. And you see, this rule is so perfect. So wonderful that when the Lord Jesus summons people, verse 5, they hasten from all over the world to come to him. Well, Israel didn't see that. The Lord Jesus in his lifetime didn't see that. 
But I wonder if you notice, remember, at the key moments in Jesus' life, there are foreigners present. Think of the Magi at Christmas time. Those foreigners from the east, they're at the crib worshipping the Lord Jesus. Or as Jesus dies, he's the, fir- the first person who, who comments is a Roman soldier, foreigner. Surely this man is the son of God. And then when Jesus is raised up and goes into heaven and returns to the heavenly splendor, to use that word in verse 5, he sends his Holy Spirit and the disciples are enabled to go out speaking foreign tongues into all the earth. And ever since then, people from every tribe and tongue and nation have been hastening into Jesus. world has been changed by the gospel. Society is transformed as people have come and bowed the knee under the good king who submits to God. Now, it's not just in the early church we see this. I guess in New Zealand, people are not hastening to Jesus so much as hastening out the door out of church but there will come a day when Jesus returns and he will vindicate his church that he will be shown to be the one with all authority and those who are his will enjoy this heavenly banquet feasting with him friends were invited this morning it's a banquet that truly fulfills it's a kingdom that is glorious enjoyed now in part and one day forever But we need to RSVP. We need to RSVP. And this is the second point. Look down at verses 6 and 7. We need to RSVP by giving up our ways and our thoughts and turning to the Lord. Verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And then verse 7 fleshes out what that means. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man or the evil woman, their thoughts, ways and thoughts, lifestyle and worldview. It's not just about tinkering with our actions. We need to change our prideful worldview that puts us at the center and let God himself be center. And as we submit our thoughts to him, so we change our ways. We forsake our thoughts and our ways and submit to him. And then second half of verse 7, let him or her turn to the Lord and God will have mercy on him or her and to our God, for God will freely pardon Turn to the Lord and he will pardon. Do you see that wonderful promise? Think of Israel in the midst of exile. They knew that their sin caused their situation. They knew their sin had ruined their lives. And if we're honest, we too know that our sin messes things up. Chiefly, it messes our relationship with God up, doesn't it? Keeps us from him. Keeps us enjoying fellowship with him. And yet here is true forgiveness. Pardon. All at the cost to the Son but free to us. We need to RSVP. But do you see there's a deadline? Like on an invitation, reply by January the 1st. It says verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Or it could be, while he permits himself to be found. Some of you know Dick Lucas, who was a rector, a a, a vicar of a large church in central London. And when Dick was a curate, I think I may have told you this before, if I have, apologies. But when Dick was a a young curate, he went to um, visit somebody who was terminally ill in hospital. And uh, this man wasn't a believer. And Dick told him the gospel, told him of the invitation to the banquet and said, come and bow the knee before Jesus, RSVP, before it's too late. And the man said, no, it is too late. And Dick said, no, what do you mean? You can respond now. RSVP, believe in Jesus. And the man said, when I was a child, my parents took me to church. I was christened. 
Then at school, I went to a a, a mission, and I heard the gospel, and I said, later. Then at university, I, I heard the gospel again from a friend, and I said, later. Then at my wedding, the preacher preached the gospel. And my kids' own christening, he preached the gospel. And each time I said, no, later. And now it's too late. Well, Dick kept pleading. The man kept saying it's too late. And as Dick left the hospital, he said that he got in his car and there was a deep sense that maybe sometimes it is too late. Well, friends, now, today, it's not too late. Today, we can RSVP. And if we haven't done so, will you seek the Lord while he permits himself to be found? Don't wait till your deathbed. We don't know if we'll die on a deathbed. We might die today, tomorrow. RSVP while the Lord permits himself to be found. And if we have RSVP'd, do we have the joy of knowing that we have a place at this wonderful banquet? Are we inviting others to come and join us, to sit next to us at this banquet? Well, sometimes we get an invitation, don't we? And we're unsure whether to accept it. Maybe we think it'll be a lot of fun, but it's going to be a lot of hassle. I'll have to dig out my old dinner jacket. I'll have to get a haircut, which I do desperately need. I know, please don't comment on that afterwards. Uh, I'll have to drive to some funny hotel somewhere far away. And we think, I'm sure it'll be fun, but it'll be a lot of hassle. And maybe you think this is a terrific invitation, but turning from my ways, now that's going to be hard. Maybe you need a bit of persuading. Well, verses 8 to 13 give us three reasons to seek the Lord. It's hidden in our translation, but verses 8, 10, and 12 all start with the word for or because. And very briefly, let's look at these three reasons. First reason to RSVP, there is no other way to join the party. There is no other way to join the party. Look at verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He's just told us, hasn't he? We need to get rid of our human thoughts, our evil thoughts and ways. And the reason we're to do that is that they are so fundamentally different to the Lord's. Look at verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. We can go up some great tower, can't we? We can be far off the earth, and yet the heavens are still far above us. We can't get this blessing except by God's way. I wonder if sometimes we think if we could just educate people, then we could create paradise on earth. If we could just redistribute wealth or maybe impose law and order, then we'd have the blessed society on earth. And the Bible categorically says no, because in the hearts of each one of us is that bent to look after number one. A little bit of tinkering around the edges will not change society. We need fundamental change because his ways are not our ways. And so it's wonderful that he promises when we turn to him, he will do that change. Verse 3, he will make our souls alive, give us a new heart, a new spirit, so that we can go his ways. Well, if you're unsure whether to RSVP, do you see there's no other way? And I take it if we have RSVP, that's why we need to keep being in this book, because by instinct we go back to our own ways. We need to keep hearing his ways, going his ways. Well, there's no other way. Secondly, this party is totally certain. It's going to happen with or without us. I wonder if you ever think, will it happen? I'm sure Isaiah's hearers in exile under a foreign rule must have thought, this is a pie-in-the-sky dream from Isaiah. It will never happen. Maybe as you look around, you think, will this really happen? 
or verse 10, what does God say? As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. That is to say, as it rains, slowly but surely, and plants grow, so will God's word, slowly but surely, bring his plan into effect. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I I sent it. This great banquet will happen. If you're a Christian here and starting to doubt, be encouraged. It will take place. If you're unsure whether to RSVP, it's going to happen. With or without us. It's like a train on a platform. Imagine yourself standing on a platform and the whistle is blown. You know the train is going to go. You know the doors are about to shut. The train will go with or without you. The question is, will you get on? Well, friend, if you haven't RSVP'd, will you get on? And then third, wonderfully, this party will be far better than we even dare imagine. Be far better than we even dare imagine. A few years ago, we went on a family holiday to Lyme Regis down on the southwest of England. It's an area of coast known as the Jurassic Coast. And Wren was really excited to think he's going to find a fossil. And I tried to dampen his expectation. I said, probably unlikely you'll find a fossil. But the people we're staying with said, no, 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 you definitely will. The place is littered with fossils. So my low expectations shot through the roof. I planned the journey from the beach to the Natural History Museum to deposit these great fossils. Well, of course, my hopes were inevitably dashed. We're used to that, aren't we? Maybe some of us experienced that over Christmas. We've had high expectations, and then we're disappointed. But this is the one thing that will not disappoint. It will be even better than we imagine. Look at verse 12. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Do you see the whole creation is rejoicing? The trees and the fields are singing and dancing because the the world has been freed from the curse. Instead of the thornbush will grow the pine tree. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. I'm not exactly sure what a briar is. I think it's a thorny bush, but that's gone. And instead of a beautiful tree... This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. It will go on forever and be wonderful. It will not disappoint. It was said of the Puritan, Richard Baxter, that he spent ten minutes every day thinking about heaven. Well, however much Richard Baxter daydreamed and fantasized, when he finally got to heaven, it was even better than he imagined. This is going to be wonderful. It's going to be amazing. Well, we are all invited. I wonder, are you excited about it? Have you RSVP'd? If so, are you inviting others? Am I inviting others to come to this wonderful banquet? And if we haven't RSVP'd, why not? Do you see there's no other way? It will happen with or without you. Don't be left on the station. RSVP, it will be far better than you could dream or imagine. Let's have a moment and then we'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful invitation. And we pray, whatever our state, whether we're still seeking after you or whether we're surely yours, we pray that we'd be thrilled at this invitation. Pray that we would, as this passage says, go out with great joy, knowing that our place at the banquet is secure, knowing that we enjoy 
the uh, starter now, the thrill of knowing you. And we pray for those who are not yours. Guide them, maybe even today or tomorrow, the last couple of days of this year. Or in 2019, guide them so that they can RSVP and claim their place at this banquet. We thank you for all it costs you. We pray that we remember that as we come to the Lord's Supper. And we rejoice in Jesus for his glory. Amen.